On this episode of Resi Week, we talk tariff relief and getting the most out of your lighting system. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 209. Learn what you can. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Atlas IED. Innovative audio solutions for every business environment. And by Daylight, the leading producer of high-quality projection screens worldwide. Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly wrap-up of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott, for AVNation.TV. And this week, I am pleased to be joined by my good friend, longtime friend, Heather Sidorowicz. She is the president of Southtown AV. Yeah, you. You are one of my longtime friends. Uh, good to see you, Heather. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm glad you didn't take off Super Monday. Uh, how are you? I'm, uh, I'm well, Matt. How are you? I'm doing all right. I uh, had the little small Super Bowl party, and it's over. But the best part is tacos for lunch today. There you go. Uh, I too am having Super Bowl leftovers on Monday. Yes, fantastic. That's the best part of Super Bowl, in in my opinion, other than the fact that future Hall of Famer uh, Patrick Mahomes won. That was great. Uh, Wearing red, possibly, uh, as I'm roping you into this, Michael, sorry, uh, in honor of the Chiefs win, we have Michael Braithwaite. He is the CTO of Screen Innovations. How are you, sir? I am great. Fantastic. Enjoying my Super Monday. Yes, everybody, uh, I, I don't get taking it off, but I also don't drink, so that might be part of it. Notwithstanding, uh, let's jump right into it rather than waxing poetic about the Super Bowl that was fantastic to watch. Coming to us from CE Pro and the one and only Jason Not the industry is getting a long-awaited tariff release. The Phase 1 trade deal was signed by the U.S. and China uh, for A, and it is going to cut tariffs from 15% to 75 on loudspeakers, smart speaker or loudspeakers, smart speakers, turntables, TVs, projectors, and a whole lot more. If you've been following that, uh, this this whole somewhat debacle, uh, they instituted tariffs. They're now changing that that rate a little bit, cutting it in half, as the article says. And those uh, changing percentages will affect products that land in the U.S. after February fifteenth of twenty twenty. Where this matters for us and and why we're talking about it is not only obviously do the tariffs affect a lot of products that we see every day, but specifically it has driven many manufacturers to raise pricing. Not everybody did. Some people are phasing that through. Everyone's kind of handling it their own way. So speaking of handling it their own way, Heather, I I do want to start with you on this. How are you, how are you internally? How do, how do HTPs go about, managing these kind of really fast, somewhat unexpected uh, price increases, decreases, et cetera. How do you go about adjusting your pricing model to to follow along with whatever the heck is happening politically? I think that we are pretty used to changing prices on the fly because we've sold TVs and TV prices change daily. So each week you get an email from some of your distributors that say, here's this week's pricing and it's going to change next week. So I think we can adjust pretty quickly. Um, as for the tariffs, the ones that did do that did have price increases, um, we changed that throughout our internal systems and we did pass that along to the client. 
Um, what I'm curious about though, and I do not know the answer is, will these manufacturers pull back those price increases? I'm gonna guess not. So, so let me just ask you a quick follow-up to that. If per se, a friendly manufacturer said, hey, I'm gonna roll these back a little bit now that this increase has dropped, heck, maybe they'll just give you 5% back instead of the, the seven and a half. Would you then adjust your pricing structure? Or does I mean, it become too in frustrating? In this day and age, everything's transparent, right? No one's buying, like, so if we approach things by buying, selling product um, and we're trying to make the most off the product, we'll lose because it's the internet age and you can, you know, they're gonna find out what your price is and they're gonna Google it and then they're gonna pretend they know more than you anyway. So it's about selling that solution and that overall, and hopefully you're making your profit through the solution piece, not through just the product. So yeah, I absolutely would roll it back if, if that was added to for us. Very good. Michael, as a, as a manufacturer, you, know, you don't need to give up any inside baseball, although we're always helpful and, and appreciative if you do. But <laughs> how do manufacturers go about managing this? Because at, at least from a HTP standpoint, we kind of know what our hard costs are coming in. We can adjust that on the fly. Most shops don't stock much anymore. So they're not dealing with pricing that was based on something that was put in effect, you know, six months, a year in the past. How do manufacturers manage this? And, you know, can you claw back when stuff like this comes up or have you already built stuff into that model that you're working off of? Well, uh, I think it's a, it's an interesting question because, and I'm probably not going to favor a lot of fans here, but most of these manufacturers are, so let me see how I can say this. They're not <laughs> very good at how they source products and how they source their products. Uh, I'll give you an example. So at SI, everything we have here is done in Austin, for example, and including the electronics. So people will see the electronics and they're like, yeah, but what about that? Yes, even those boards um, are done in Austin. And the funny thing is uh, the tariffs are affecting, obviously, if you're buying a finished product and that finished product is sent from China to the U.S. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... Um, Again, I'll go back to um, whatever it is you're buying that could have been designed and done completely differently. Um, it almost doesn't matter even the type of product that it is. Um, we we have introduced at the last CEDIA, we introduced a product called Janus, which is a very advanced uh, power communication and power distribution product. Uh, if you looked at that and you're like, oh, this that looks like uh, a Cisco or this, you know, that was made overseas. And again, it's not. Um, and even when in our screens, our motorized screens, there's electronics. We have boards in there that open and close the doors and, you know, the motorization to come down. And even all those, it depends on how you're purchasing. So um, anybody building anything electronic now, some of the parts are only made in China these days. There are some things that are only made in China. And so uh, some of that hurts uh, from the vendor side. And so from a tariff point of view, uh, hopefully um, the vendors are either cutting back and, and giving you the better pricing as a part, as a part of that. I would say um, from an SI or from uh, lots, of, lots of companies who manage that a little bit differently where we didn't introduce an increase. 
And so even if the component that we were buying did have that, um, there are many ways to buy that same component. Um, there are, even if it is originally sourced in, in certain countries where there's tariffs. And so that's, that's what I'm saying. There's, um, it's, it's a laziness on the manufacturing side uh, where they do something like that. Um, that's, that's, that's my opinion. Anyways. And, and some products had pretty substantial increases. I mean, Sonos, right? They held it for so long and then they just increased it, parts, uh, the port, the amp. But now smart speakers is one of the ones they're pulling back. I wonder if they'll pull back with pricing. It, it'll be interesting to see the correlation between these kind of news articles and the general populace. Right, because I mentioned most people don't know about. Yeah. It's a slippery slope that you go down because as soon as, if you're going to increase the pricing and then when the, the tariff goes away and you're going to decrease it, um, as Matt mentioned, are you really going to give them back the, the full amount? Are you, uh, and. Th and that was the danger of them telling why they did it. If they would have just said, hey, because of life, we have to increase. Correct. Because of the tariffs. So maybe that was right. in the way that they went to media with that. And and I would also say that their vendors, whoever they're working with, so on a Sonos case, um, they're working with pretty large contract manufacturers like electronics. And so when when you look at things like that, you know, talk about inside baseball, I guess, but when you look at things like that, if their relationship is not good with that vendor or the sourcing, um, they did get hammered. Um, I'll tell you that the the we have relationships and we also work with lots of different vendors. So the truth is, we uh, even on components where it would be, um, that manufacturer is the one that was giving the slight difference because the tariff was being paid by whoever is importing it. So if we're importing that, it we are the ones that paid that tariff, right? right. Somebody else paying that tariff. Uh, and so when the vent, when the manufacturers, and so we, here's our choice. And this is why I say we're an equal opportunity offender. We will go and we'll look at, as long as it meets the spec and the quality is there, we'll look at um, multiple sources for parts. If you only have one source for a part, you have a serious issue on your product because if anything happens like tariffs or a virus or any weird thing happens, your product is at jeopardy. So you have to have multiple sources and be able to pull. So the vendors that got hit by that were per supplying that product, they knew they know that for real people who are really developing stuff. And so they adjusted those and that's, so yes, the importer paid them, but we actually received the part at that reduced price already. So that's why, that's why I said it's up to, I call this laziness on the vendor. Oh, poor us. We're not good at, at developing products and we're not good at doing all this. So we're buying something and we're putting our sticker on it. it this is, and here's our sticker on this product. And I'm going to have to raise your price 15% because we actually are putting a sticker on this box that's made over there. I, I'm sorry. I'm calling you out on that. So. <laughs> <laughs> and there's the inside base. Oh, my Come to this show for, I, I, I will say just as a final kind of caveat to that, uh, on the pricing model, it does remind me when UPS and all the freight carriers added the fuel surcharge in what, like 2005, 2008, yep. somewhere in there. Right. That's never gone away. Uh -uh. Now fuel's back to where it was, but there was a 
good couple of years where it was incredibly low. I never saved on shipping. Heather, I'm sure you never saved on right, shipping. Right, they don't give it back <laughs> once they take it. And, and even to take it a step further in up here in Canada, when we get stuff imported at a, you know, a, a fixed currency exchange rate, it doesn't usually roll back when the, the currencies get closer to parity. It becomes, well, there's still stuff involved, yada, yada, yada. You're paying us more. <laughs> so before I get in too much trouble from too many people, because that's what Michael's here for, let's move on to our next story of the day. Uh, this comes to us from Res residential tech today and the one and only Lisa Montgomery, how to get the most out of your lighting system. If you have been living under a rock, you are probably unaware that most AV integrators today have some form of lighting control in their portfolio. And it's a great addition to, you know, your business and your bottom line. What Lisa gets into here is how to uh, take advantage <coughs> of getting involved on the actual fixture side of this. Michael, I, I want to start with you on this one. And, you know, we can kind of weave this in, in a couple of ways, knowing your current position and whether you have a, a boatload of insight, as I'm sure you do, to share on, on the fixture side of things. What caught me off guard with this was, as you read through, and, and, and she references a presentation from Peter Romelli, Romanelli uh, from Conceptual Lighting. Sorry if I uh, butchered your name there, sir. Uh, but he goes through a couple of options on how to get into selling fixtures. Michael, when, when you see companies going down this vein, and on one hand, you'd sit there and say, yeah, selling fixtures can't be that hard. We sell lighting control. We understand loads and all of that. But when you are trying to take that sale away, and let's be honest, that's what we're doing. We're taking sales away from an interior designer, from a decorator, from an electrician. You can't just walk in with some rudimentary knowledge of, hey, yeah, these can lights are going to be better. And I, I use that because he uses it in the article. Um, you have to know a little bit more of the design aesthetic. You have to understand how light interacts with things. This is not just a, a an integrator adding, you know, landscape lighting, low voltage landscape lighting to their outdoor audio solutions. How do integrators really follow and, and jump into a market like this that, yes, is peripheral to what we do, but it's a whole other world? Yeah, I, uh, I think they need to be careful in how they approach this. It's a great opportunity uh, the opportunity is there, but here's the way I would position this. Um, electricians think that they can put a conference room together. Okay. Now, why do they think that? Uh, well, we pull wires and we can, we can put these in and, you know, they, they, they think this. And I don't know, probably Heather has fixed many of said uh, conference rooms before, but um you know, there's, there's experience and there's knowledge and there's domain expertise that, frankly speaking, the electrician, while competent in what they do, may not understand, um, you know, certain aspects. Um, and when I walk into a conference room, I can tell right away if it was an electrician that I'm sorry, but I can tell right away who designed this and, and all this because they'll be complaining about certain things and, and, and you just, they broke in every, every acoustic rule. So anyways, 
so the reason why I went through that lengthy, sorry, uh, exchange was uh, the same thing is reversed here. You're now entering the aesthetic world and, and lighting. And yes, it's a great opportunity. It's an exciting opportunity. Here's what I would uh, position them, just like what I would say to an electrician, which is take your time, reference, learn as much as you can, go through um, you know, buying fixtures for yourself, for your own house, for your, for your own um, uh, you know, shop, your own lab. Start going through and understanding those. Take the, uh, take courses. Watch the YouTube video. Do as much as you can to understand both the nomenclature, the language that they're using, why they're doing stuff, and um, take your time. Don't rush into that. Um, but you know we're kind of in this um, this third wave of PoE that's coming, and so in this third wave of PoE, there's enough power on the BT version to start to do lighting and lots of, especially LED lighting. So the opportunity is gonna be there, it's just they need, you know, as with anything, you need to be able to be proficient in that. Otherwise, it is gonna be a mess just like the article. Lisa's a great writer, so she, she, she nailed it. So. Yeah, she did. Heather, this, this brings to mind a couple of things, and, and you and I have talked about this vein quite a lot. You look at this and, and, and it seems like a really easy fit. Yeah, we, we understand a lot of this. We understand lumen counts. We, we understand all of this from a technical standpoint. But when you flip that into a residential environment where, let's be really clear, somebody is not going to Home Depot to buy their light fixtures. No, no disrespect to Home Depot but they're not buying fixtures and they're not coming to you to spec fixtures from Home Depot. They're looking for cutting edge, aesthetic, gorgeous products. How hard of a fit is it for traditionally technical AV people to understand not, not even the technical aspect and the aesthetic lighting is really tough. To, to as somebody who does this, lighting's really tough. How hard is it for integrators to jump in and dare I say be competent when they start talking the aesthetic and especially the aesthetic of light? Um, I think that it, it, you know, like Michael said, it, it's about who you want, who you are, and who you want to become. Um, are you a design savvy firm? are you already specking some of these more design savvy products? And also, do you, can you back it up with the technical expertise? Um, one, two things about the article is, uh, part of it, I think it should have been called more about how to sell lighting, um, because it talked about it from that kind of standpoint. Um, and things that I feel that are always mentioned or always fail to be mentioned when we talk about lighting is color temperature. So mm -hmm. the fixture can be the most expensive most beautiful picture of all time. And if you get the wrong color to color temperature in your dining room, which you want to be romantic and dim and relaxing, and you're putting in a high brightness, high lumen light, you've failed. And I see that all the time. I see that in high-end restaurants. I see that in people's homes when they bought the cheapest LEDs from um, Home Depot or Lowe's and there's crazy flicker and you can, it get, makes me twitch. Um, you know, so there's a lot to learn about lighting. It's more than it's more than just aesthetics, and it's more than the technical expertise of understanding the ones and zeros behind it. It's also about how does this person want to live? 
I went through a huge remodel last year. I wrote about it in the same magazine. I wrote about it in Residential Tech Today. And that was the biggest thing I learned was what kind of house do I want to live in? What is, it's the icing on the cake. What do I want to feel when I'm here? Do I want it to be like a bright office? Um, or do I, and, and for us, it was an escape. It's our, it's serenity now. Um, and, and so I, I just feel like we, we need to continue to have this conversation over and over and over again um, until people catch it. And there aren't, and, and Michael's right again, like there's way better lights coming out. Um, there's lights now that will actually change color temperature on their own. It's not going into an app and changing this one. Like I, I hate when people say, oh, I can do lighting control. Here's my app and I can do this light and it can be purple. I'm like, that's not lighting control. That's a trick. But yeah, I digress. Um, yeah, so I think that, that there's so much to be to be done in the light, the world of lighting. And who's going to claim that? I don't think that it will necessarily be the designer or the electrician. So is there a gap there? Yes. Can we fill that gap? Maybe, depending yeah. on who you are as a company. You're bringing up a really good point, though, because that has been the touted line that I've been given from everyone from manufacturers to industry associations to writers that lighting is this, this, the biggest hole in a home totally. that we can fill because we understand it. That we can fill, uh, not necessarily. <laughs> well, and that, that's, that's my question to both of you is, is this just us looking at it going, Oh yeah, we're really smart. We can figure this out because politely, <laughs> I won't be uh, so polite. How many home theaters have you walked in and it's huge honking speakers and it has nothing to do with the way the room looks? I mean, how many times have we seen really bad AV design in a room that's supposed to have good AV, right? Like, and, and, but it was really expensive. So it, it's got to be looked at from that different standpoint. Are we the channel to do it, Michael? You know, I think we will be the channel that helps people to understand what Heather was talking about because the, the that aspect of it with um, the tunable white and the ability to change kind of the circadian rhythms that you'd have. Right, and biophilia, that's all tied into all yeah, of this. Exactly. And so I think we will... Uh, in the end, tie that in from the lifestyle point of view. However, we just, there's still so much to learn from the um, fixture side that we're, we're behind. So I think we'll help on the mixing it together. And, and by the way, that's why, you know, when we, we talk about shades, shade, what's weird is shades kind of the stepchild of like lighting. When people talk 100%. about lighting and they're like, oh yeah, shades. And so, so shades is kind of like in with that uh, as well. And so as they start thinking about um, aspects where, hey, we're not only the temperature um, and maybe what you're trying to achieve, and since you have all these big glass holes in your <laughs> structure, you might want to be able to, you know, because you can change whatever you want in the lighting if you, during the day, if you, you know, can't control the sun. Yeah, you're competing you with that. If you can't control star. the sun, <laughs> so, you're done. So, so I digress. If you've never heard the, the, the story of how Lutron got into shading, you, you should look it up and find a, a Lutron person who's been at the company long enough to tell you that story. Because uh, it's, it's essentially, uh, to, to really paraphrase it very quickly, it's Spira in their main atrium having an all-hands meeting. 
and saying, so do we have complete lighting control over every building? And everyone, oh, yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And he points up to the, because it's an atrium, points up to the sun and goes, no, we haven't controlled that and walks away. <laughs> and that's their, their, their foray into, into shading. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's leave it there for today. Thank you so much. Michael, if people want to connect with you, learn more about screen innovations, where can they do that? So please contact us at uh, screeninnovations.com. And we'll be glad to help out. If you're going to ISC, we'll be there, ISC booth. Uh, and I don't have the booth number, but somewhere in there in ISC, there we are there. So be glad to help you out. Excellent. Heather, thank you so much for joining us. If people want to connect with you, learn more about Southtown AV, where can they do that? Uh, on the web for the company, southtownav.com. And uh, for some more fun, non-professional uh, um, chatter, uh, catch me up on uh, Twitter, tech underscore chi c-h-i see i think your twitter is very professional your, your twitter is very professional what are you talking about i don't think so i feel like i complain a lot there i wouldn't mention it if you did all right <laughs> thank you so much for joining us if you'd like to connect with me you can find me at matt d scott on twitter and pretty much every other social platform but more importantly please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover when you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week.